0: for the yellow envelopes to come out. Sometimes Bosch found it hard to sleep during the nights leading up to Christmas. He never took time off during the first week of the month and never came to work late if there was a chance that the yellow envelopes were in. Even his teenage daughter noticed his monthly cycle of anticipation and agitation and had likened it to a menstrual cycle. Bosch didn't see the humor in this and was embarrassed when she brought it up. Now his disappointment at the sight of so few envelopes in the lieutenant's hand was something palpable in his throat. He wanted a new case. He needed a new case. He needed to see the look on the killer's face when he knocked on the door and showed his badge, the embodiment of unexpected justice come calling after so many years. It was addictive, and Bosch was craving it now. The lieutenant handed the first envelope to Rick Jackson. He and his partner, Rich Bengston, were solid investigators who had been with the unit since its inception. Bosch had no complaint there. The next envelope was placed on an empty desk belonging to Teddy Baker. She and her partner Greg Keo were on their way back from a pickup in Tampa, Florida an airline pilot who had been connected through fingerprints to the 1991 strangulation of a flight attendant in Brentwood. Bosch was about to suggest to the lieutenant that Baker and Keo might have their hands full with the Brentwood case and that the envelope should be given to another team, namely his, when the lieutenant looked at him and used the last remaining envelope to beckon him to her office. "'Can you guys step in for a minute? You too, Tim?' Tim Marcia was the squad whip, the detective three who handled mostly supervisory and filling duties in the squad. He mentored the young detectives and made sure the old ones, like Jackson and Bosch, didn't get lazy. Bosch was up out of his seat before the lieutenant had finished her question. He headed toward the lieutenant's office with Chu and Marcia trailing behind. Close the door, Duval said. Sit down. Duval had a corner office with windows that looked across Spring Street at the Los Angeles Times building. Paranoid that reporters were watching from the newsroom across the way, Duval kept her blinds permanently closed. It made the office dim and cave-like. Bosch and Chu took the two seats positioned in front of the lieutenant's desk. Marcia followed them in, moved to the side of Duval's desk, and leaned against an old evidence safe. I want you two to handle this hit, she said, proffering the yellow envelope to Bosch. There's something wrong there, and I want you to keep quiet about it until you find out what it is. Keep Tim in the loop, but keep it low-key. The envelope had already been opened. Chu leaned over to look as Harry opened the flap and pulled out the hit sheet. It listed the case number for which DNA evidence had been submitted— plus the name, age, last known address, and criminal history of the person whose genetic profile matched it. Bosch first noticed that the case number had an 89 prefix, meaning it was a case from 1989. There were no details about the crime, just the year. But Bosch knew that 1989 cases belonged to the team of Ross Schuler and Adriana Dolan. He knew this because 1989 had been a busy year for him, working murders for the Homicide Special Team, and he had recently checked on one of his own unsolved cases, learning that jurisdiction over cases from that year belonged to Schuler and Dolan. They were known in the unit as the kids. They were young, passionate, and very skillful investigators, but between them, they had less than eight years' experience working homicides. If there was something unusual about this cold hit, it would not be surprising that the lieutenant would want Bosch on it. Bosch had worked more killings than everybody in the unit combined. That is, if you took out Jackson. He had been around forever. Bosch next studied the name on the hit sheet. Clayton S. Pell. It meant nothing to him. But Pell's record included numerous arrests and three separate convictions for indecent exposure, false imprisonment, and forcible rape. He had spent six years in prison for the rape before being released 18 months earlier. He had a five-year probation tail.